Welcome to the Quest for Quality podcast with keynote speaker, Joe Higgins. In terms of Quest for Quality, this is really about living a quality life, having a quality career. If you always aim for quality in your life, you will almost always find success at some point in the longer term. For decades, Joe has shared his quest for quality message with thousands of business professionals across the country. Some of you may know our keynote speaker. I would tell you he's a legend in the industry and it's great to see him back with us. I've had the privilege and honor introducing some very famous speakers to you. They were all great speakers and showed you how a winning attitude brings success. But our next speaker is even better. Joe Higgins has walked in our shoes. Joe's the only speaker in our history that we've invited to talk to us two years in a row. The Quest for Quality podcast presents a universal message under the umbrella of four areas of Joe's unprecedented experience and expertise. Leadership. Building healthy teams. Customer service. Understanding the American economy. I'm trying to let people get that message that it's taken me you know, 40 years to learn. I've had a lot of experience, have gone through major levels of, of an organization, have trained and worked with and supervised thousands of people over my career and created leaders at, at the Whirlpool Corporation today that are running the company. So hopefully what I bring here in this thing is allowing people to live a better life and a better quality of life. Thanks again for joining us for another edition of the Quest for Quality with Joe podcast. My name is Tim, and again, we're visiting with Joe Higgins, the founder of Quest for Quality. And for those who have not yet uh, listened to some of our previous episodes, I want to remind you that Joe spent decades with the Whirlpool organization as National Director of Sales for North America, now spends his retirement as a convention keynote speaker, sharing his experience and principles that helped shape the Whirlpool organization into a Fortune 150 company. Some of the topics Joe covers in his presentations include the economy and the direction the American economy is headed over the next 10 years, leadership and building high-performance cultures, building healthy teams, and the subject of our next series, customer service. Now, Joe is National Director of Sales for the Whirlpool Organization. Creating and maintaining Whirlpool standards for great customer service must have been a monumental task, I'm sure. Well, it was when you have uh, literally thousands of employees and and uh, trying to get them all on the same page. It was very difficult. As a company as large as Whirlpool and selling consumer products, you can only imagine the nightmare sometimes of trying to satisfy uh, all those people out there that are buying refrigerators, washers, dryers, you name it. So, Joe, just to give our listeners an idea of how big this actually is, uh, tell us some of the customers that you were responsible for while you were the national director of sales for Whirlpool. Well, during the course of my career, uh, we had what we call the big box stores, which are Sears, Lowe's, Home Depot, and Best Buy. Those are obviously the biggest accounts in the country and do drive a a very large part of the business. I was also responsible for uh, accounts of various size independent businesses like, uh, at the time, Pacific Sales, Howard's, are two I think a lot of people know in Southern California. Around the country, they might be things like um, uh, Brandsmart or... uh, uh, Bobby Apt in Chicago, places like that, but really independent retail businesses that sell, sold our brands of appliances, Whirlpool, KitchenAid, Maytag, uh, and anything that we sell, that, that, that's what I re- had responsible for from, from, from New York to Los Angeles, from Miami, all the way up to Seattle and parts in between. Mom and pops as well too. Mom and pops for sure. Yeah. We had, I had that, pro- that, uh, 
uh, responsibility and risk responsible for all sales in North America at that point. So maintaining quality customer service for a Fortune 150 company with big box stores down to mom and pops, customer service has to be one of the most important things you had to cover with your team. Yeah, it is. And this whole quest for quality began with customer service. I mean, that the original... Uh, work that I did came maybe 20 years ago when we first started talking about how important that the consumer was to our business and how important customer service was and how we drive people to our products based on on how we function in that space. And I know that, uh, you know, when you when you teach that and you do it every single day and you got to you got to create the mindset in your people, that became almost job number one for me in those early years as we began to, to get much stronger and feel much stronger about customer service. So customer service was the first presentation. It was. Yeah, actually it was, uh, you know, keep in mind that when you, when you think about customer service, uh, it's like, especially in today's world, I always tell people the story about uh, Willie Sutton. I don't know if you know who Willie Sutton is. Willie Sutton was a famous bank robber and he robbed banks all over the Midwest and they, they caught him one day and they were bringing him in the perp walk. They were bringing him into jail. And some, one of the reporters yelled out and said, hey, Willie, why do you rob banks? And he said, well, because that's where the money is. <laughs> and everybody thought that was really, you know, pretty funny, right? This guy was really a funny guy. And I thought, you know, I really, I'm really interested in what else he had to say. And I went back and I listened to him talk. And he said that, he said this quote, and I thought this was great too. He said, you can get anything you want in life with a smile and with a gun. <laughs> now, w- what's great about that is it, as it applies to customer service, think about it this way that the gun years ago was something that independent retailers or retailers in general, an exclusive that they may have had in their business that nobody else had. Like Maybe in, their unique selling point or their unique product. I yeah, or br- brands or whatever. I remember that in my early years at Whirlpool, we would give our brands to some people and not to others, and they would have exclusive stores. You fast forward to the 1980s and 1990s or so, everybody carries the same stuff. So no matter where you go, it's the smile now of customer service, the smile has become the gun. And so if you're in business and you don't have the smile and you don't make people feel good, you're gonna you're not gonna win. But if you have the smile of customer service, you can get just about anything you want. If you take care of customers and make them loyal consumers to your brand and your store, uh, they'll come back forever and ever and buy from you. Right, and that's that, what we learned. That's a terrific broad stroke. Now let's just get down to the nuts and bolts and get down to the data, if you don't mind, if we dive into something like that. Where can sales professionals and business owners access resources and results found from industry and product-specific studies or focus groups mm-hmm. that actually show what customers want and consumers want? Well, you know, there, there's actually a lot of studies in this space. Uh, retail is such a huge part of the economy, and people are always working on it. The study that I always use is one from a company called Cognizant. Um, they do it on shopper experience, you know, like what did you experience when you go into the store? And when you talk about customer service, you have to understand that customer service is not just bringing product back or, or uh, taking care of a service call. If you have a, a product that isn't working, it's much broader than that. And I always tell, tell audiences that customer service begins the moment you drive up to the front of a store. Think about how important that is. And you've seen that in, in you know, in your experiences, if you drive into a store where the parking lot's cracked and there's weeds growing out of it and the landscaping just doesn't look good and the paint's peeling off, that's when customer service begins. And you got to begin with a really good-looking store that's up-to-date and modern, that, that has lighting because people don't like to go into a store that's not lit at night. Uh, all those things are really important to give that first impression to the customer. It's like curb appeal. You, know, the, you ask any real estate agent, and I've spoken to groups where there are real estate people in the audience, and they'll tell you that 
curb appeal is a critical part of the home buying process as it is any other process that you do. So a store, the beginning thing is walking into a store. They said customers want a nice looking appearance when they drive up to a location. And you know what, Joe, you're talking about brick and mortar stores, but that same principle applies to your online presence as well, too, and maintaining a clean, user-friendly website, social media presence as well. It goes both ways. It crosses both borders. Yeah, absolutely. That's why people put so much time into their websites, (laughs) you know, to make them intuitive and easy to follow and stuff. We see that across the board with our with our customers at Whirlpool, where uh, people that had really poor websites just never really got in that part of the game. The other thing that they're asking for today in terms of customer service is an enjoyable an efficient shopping experience. Now, those things might be seem like they're mutually exclusive, but they're not. Uh, they want to go into a store that's laid out well, uh, to a business that is is friendly, that has a great staff, but they also want you to take care of them. So if you go in there, they don't want to wait around. They want to get it done. They want to, they want to finish it up, and they want to get out of the store, and they want the sale to be about them. They don't want uh, the sale to be about the salesperson that tells them how great he is or or the store is they want the sale, the sale to be about who you are as the customer and make sure that you're, you're, you're satisfying their needs. Um, they also want a customer friendly staff. Have you ever gone into a store where you had a great salesperson and you like that salesperson, but you got turned over to somebody that was really negative. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You want, I want that person back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Get that. yeah. Sure. And that's what they say. They mm-hmm. don't want, they don't want to go from the friendly person to one that's going to give them a hard time about their delivery or their scheduling or whatever it might be. They want each person on the staff to be friendly. So that was the third thing they said. The other thing they said is that, you know, we live busy, stress out lives today. And so we want you to get it right the first time. So if we, if we have a problem, come out, fix it and get it done and go away. It's like your car. You take your car in, right? You take it in with a problem. When you drive it off that lot, you want it to be fixed at that moment, you don't want to drive out a lot and have the same problem as you get, you know, a mile down the street and have to return. Mm-hmm. They don't have time for that. They say, get it right, get it right the first time, and then we'll go away and we won't bother you anymore. Um, and they also ex- see, expect you to exceed their expectations, to go beyond what they believe that a good business does to be better than that, you know, to come in and do something unique or different where you might offer them uh, child care a place for their kids to play while they're doing their shopping. Or maybe you have uh, uh, snacks available for them or you're, you're, cooking, uh, you know, you're cooking something in the ovens if you're selling appliances or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But something that's unique and different, a unique experience. And then they want a good value. And everybody always wants the good value. So that, that's what Cognizant said about the shopping experience. And uh, that's where customer service begins. Well, that's where it begins. But where does the commitment for great customer service come into a business? Where does that come from? Ownership, mm-hmm. management, well, let's talk about let's talk about independent businesses because that's mm. most of my customers are those customers. They they really be and, th- and this presentation that I make is really uh, for the owner, not so much for the person in the store, but for the owner because customer service begins in your head. And if you're the person that is driven by wanting to do something to take care of that customer, then that'll come out of your brain and flow into the rest of your organization, and your people will pick up on your example that you are obsessively concerned about the welfare of your customers. And if you do that, uh, your people will do that. And we, we say in business, your, your people will only love your customers as much as you love your people. You have to demonstrate it. You have to show it. You have to do it every single day. Uh, it's an important part of um, building this whole sense of customer service. Well, you know, Joe, I, and I found that uh, it seems like over the last decade or so, there that was missing from some of the big box stores as, as some of the big box stores were hiring some 
uh, younger people to be there on the floor that re- didn't really have the same passion, uh, concern for the customer as, as perhaps a manager or what you would find in one of the, the old mom and pop stores, which are sadly kind of going away because they're, they're being gobbled up by the big box stores mm-hmm. where when you would go into the mom and pop stores, you had that more personalized service from the time you pulled into the parking lot to the time you left because that was their absolute livelihood mm-hmm. right i mean for for the mom yeah. and pop stores so, so you would get that personal service but but i've found recently i really believe that a lot of these bigger companies are really starting to put more energy into training their people and creating incentives for their people to give mm-hmm. that same type of customer service one used to receive from a mom and pop store are you finding the same thing let me give you an example of the big box hardware stores and what they've done recently. Uh, there was a point where you go into these stores and you ask a question like, where are your lights? Where do you have light bulbs or LED lighting or something? Uh, the person would always seem like they had an attitude. They'd tell you where they were. They'd say an L21. Uh, and that was okay customer service. I guess you go in and they, they point you to the right space and you go there. Well, one of the stores began to do the thing where they would say, you'd say, where are the lights? And they'd say, it's on L21. Let me take you there. That was really a, a, a great way to start. And so you'd go in, they'd walk you to the space, and they'd say, is there anything I can help you with here? Uh, if you'd say, no, I know what I want, they'd walk away. If not, they'd stand there and answer, answer questions. Well, the other, the other big box store got word of that, started to understand that, started to see the level of customer service, the smile, in other words, mm-hmm. of customer service working in action. Consumers like that. Consumers like the idea that you can go in and you can get help right away. You don't have to stand around the store and try to find somebody and then get somebody that has no idea of where the stuff is or even gives you the wrong aisle. So the other store began doing the same thing. They started training their people and they trained them so that when somebody came in and asked a question, the first thing out of their mouth was, let me take you there. Let me show you where it's at. Uh, and that's customer service. And that's what, that's, that's what I was saying about exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. They realize that it's more than pointing out to where the aisle was. Cause a lot of times people get that wrong or well, you walk down to the aisle and you can't find it even then. And then it's too really many fun. options. Actually. Right. <laughs> where right. do I start? They're far too big and people <laughs> yeah. get really frustrated yes. by that. And you know, and here's the point of all that. How do these, how do they hire people to do this? Well, they don't, they train them. train them, they train them, they bring them in and they say, this is what we say. This is what we do. Uh, there's a Vaughn store just down the street here from where, where I live. And when you go into a Vaughn store, every time you walk past an employee, they say, uh, they say, hello. They say, are, how's your day? And are you finding everything you want? Hmm. Every single employee. How do they do that? They train them. I tell businesses that what you need to do is you need to prepare the people in your stores to talk about your customer service and what you do. Because if you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Hmm. Uh, I had this great experience uh, recently when I was remodeling my my kitchen, and uh, I had three different companies come out, and they gave us they gave me bids on the kitchen and everything, and we had been through almost a year of remodeling, and the kitchen was one of the final things we were doing, and we were really pretty sick of it. But one company left a le- uh, had had a checklist of things that he said these are the things that we're going to do, and the checklist read like this: uh, We'll show up on time. We'll be there every morning at seven thirty. That's great because in prior remodeling, some people wouldn't show up for a whole day. Oh my gosh. And you're sitting around waiting for you've, them, You've right? been through yeah. that, right. Oh, that drives people crazy. He said, we'll have a lead uh, person who will discuss the job with you and tell you the progress every single day. Now, you know, you get these guys that come in to do your work. They can't even talk to you. That was a big deal. He said, we'll clean up at the end of every day. You won't have a mess in your house. Well, we had the experience where the place was a disaster for a month. 
These guys, these guys said they would clean up every day. They said, we'll, we'll uh, put your appliances back each day, night so you can use your kitchen. That was a big deal. And he said, we'll, uh, we'll put plastic up and we'll use vacuums when we, when we sand to eliminate dust. You know what a problem dust is in a remodel? Absolutely. For your electronics, oh. as a, in addition to just the plain mess in the house yeah, that you right. find sometime months later behind yeah, some books. Exactly, right. right. But, but it can ruin a lot of the electronics in yeah, your home as well. Yeah. Too. And so they promised to do that. He said, we'll, we'll clean up our workspace. He said, at the end of the week, we'll give you a day. At the end of the first week, we'll give you a date of when we're going to be done. Wow. And they did. And they were done noon. So they were actually beat the date noon on the day they said they would be done. He said, we, we promise that our entire staff is competent and friendly. And that's where I got the thing about in this study where I said that people want a friendly staff. Mm. If no one was here and no one, the guys weren't here and I called down to their office, the people were as friendly as the people that worked in the house with me. It was, it was, it was consistent throughout the entire organization, no matter who you talk to. Uh, they said that we will listen and we'll do everything possible to re- fulfill your needs. So when I had a change that I asked for, they would really think about it. And they would walk through it with me and they would tell me what they can do and what they couldn't do. And most of the time they, they did what I asked. They were able to do that. And they said, we expect to exceed your expectations. Tim, I chose this company, Mr. Cabinet Care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the company that did this because in every single way they exceeded my expectations. And now I'm actually using them again. They're going to come back in another two weeks and do another job for me. So that's how important customer service was. And I believe that People in businesses, to go back to the original question, mm-hmm. if you're an owner of a business, and I don't care what it is, whether you're a bank or a, you know, an independent business that sells product, whatever it might be, that your staff needs to be able to say, this is what we do, this is who we are, this is what we provide. Because if you don't say it, it doesn't exist. And all those things that here, the other companies that came and pitched me on their product, they may have done all these things, but by not telling me, I had no idea what kind of customer service level they would produce. These guys did, and they got the job. So the simple task of providing you with a checklist, just a checklist, here's the process so that you know what to expect, Mm -hmm. and then meeting those promises. Mm -hmm. Was there ever an opportunity when they couldn't, but they made up for it on the back end? I mean, because you look at something like that, like, okay, they're going to make all these promises, but hiccups happen sometime in service industries or with a particular product. They did, and the only thing they said was that, the only thing that happened was, and they told me this would happen. They said, well, if we're going to be late, we'll call you and tell you exactly what time you'll, we'll be there. Because some mornings they had to stop by their shop. Sure. And they would call me and say, well, you know, we're, we had a, a deal where you have to go by the shop. Instead of being there at 7.30, we'll be there at 8 mm-hmm. or 8.30, whatever But it was. they communicated that with you clearly. They told me ahead of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, had, I had no guesswork involved. Think about the employee, though, how important this is for the employee to know what it is you offer and to be able to express that to the customer uh, so that they can come away and say, wow, this is really a differentiated company from what I'm used to. And you, you know from doing remodeling how just these people can be so bad in this business, so bad. And these guys were, they just hit everything right on. They knew all the push you know, buttons that everybody has about what you want in a remodel, and they hit them all. Everybody that came into my house, because they send different people out, mm-hmm. they all walked in the front door, and the first thing they said was, wow, you have a really beautiful house. Mm-hmm. And as they came through, and I, I heard this over and over again, I talked to the, the uh, I got the owner on the, on the phone one day by accident. I called in and he answered. And I asked him, I said, you know, I said, one thing that I, I really wanted to understand was everybody that comes into my house, they all say, what a beautiful house I have. 
do you train them to do that? <laughs> <laughs> are they being sincere or are they, because yeah. I'm a good customer and they're making me feel exactly, good. Yeah. No, Joe, you do have a beautiful home. <laughs> but, but he For said, sure. but he said, no, we do train people to say that because everybody wants to think that they live in a great place. And when you're doing remodeling, you want to feel that way. And, uh, and you know, at Whirlpool, we learned that as well. We, t- we taught our drivers when they were delivering appliances to homes and stuff to comment on, on somebody's house or kitchen or whatever it might be, that that training part of it to make people feel good in their homes about what they have is really another part of customer service. I said customer service is not just about taking product back or having a service call. It's much more than that. And that's part of it. Well, it sounds like they've created a very loyal customer in you. They have, what yeah. is the difference between customer service and customer loyalty? Well, you know, there, there's a great distinction here. Customer service is taking care of the customer and, and doing the right thing by the customer, you know, the, having integrity. And if someone has a problem, you deal with the problem and you get it fixed. Customer loyalty is the other side of that. It, maybe it's what customer service makes happen, but also can have to do with product. Customer loyalty is when you have a very differentiated experience and you like it so much, you want to go back and do it again. Disneyland. Right. Yes. You said you have a, you've had that. We're experience. annual pass holders. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so, so you you do you feel like that way? You have a, you're very customer uh, loyal to uh, Disneyland. Well, we right? talked about this in one of your previous podcasts, um, and and it's creating a high performance culture. Mm-hmm. Disneyland makes they call us their customers, their guests, and that's how they make us feel, uh, and that's why we continue to go back time and time and right. time again. And so their products different. And mm-hmm. uh, imagine if you buy an iPhone. And you were using a different brand before, and the iPhone d- does something very unique and different. I know in my case, I love my iPhone. It's better than any phone I had. It's a differentiated experience, and that experience makes me a loyal customer. And the more you can create loyal customers, whether, you know, depending on what you offer, the more they'll come back and buy from you. And that's customer loyalty. That's probably really more important than customer service because once customers are loyal, they'll buy your brand over and over and over. Customer experience helps to create that, but it's only one part of it. And it's more than just uh, for those business owners listening in, in selling a product, it's selling a service. I would think more so on the service side uh, because with service, you're doing a little bit more interaction with the customer, are you not, than, than someone's buying a product from you? Well, you are, and think about it. That's, that's, if you're a company and you have a service person that goes out, that person is representing your company. And if they can talk to the customer and make them feel good about what's going on you know, in their home with the service that they're doing, uh, that really helps you build customer loyalty as well. Uh, you know, we all know the people that come out and, and can't talk to customers and create a bad experience. That's what they think of your business. If they leave the house, and, and that's the last thing you get from that company. And the same thing applies to a salesperson, just a regular salesperson, whether it's in a brick-and-mortar store if you're, or if you're purchasing something online over the phone, dealing with their customer service team. Uh, that whole uh, sales interaction needs to be uh, pleasurable as well, too. Yeah, and this is one of the, I think, one of the downfalls of uh, a lot of businesses where salespeople aren't trained in customer service. They don't know how to greet a customer very positively. Uh, they don't know how to be upbeat the entire time they talk to them. They don't know how to make the, the sale about the customer. A lot of times salespeople want to make the sale about them and what they believe and what they think. Uh, I know that we did a study on this at Whirlpool. What makes a great salesperson? And the number one thing was they ask a lot of questions about the customer. You know, where do you live? What kind of house do you live in? How many kids do you have? Uh, let's say it applies to a, a buying a washing machine. Uh, how do you do wash? Do you put them in colors? Do you put them in, uh, you know, different kinds of clothes? Or what kind of detergent do you use? Uh, people, when they left the stores in study, said that when people get to know them and their needs, they really feel like they're buying the thing that's going to work for them over the longer term. 
But if someone comes in and says, well, this is what I buy, you know, if the salesperson says, this is what I buy or what I recommend, consumers don't like that so much because they don't feel like they're getting their needs met and people really understand who and what they are, uh, you know, in their homes. So how do business owners train their people to do this? Uh, Shadowing, perhaps, or other training programs available? How can a business owner take new salespeople and say, this is the culture we have here. This is how we provide customer service to our customers. Well, it really goes back to the, uh, the discussion around culture, mm-hmm. building a great culture so that you have uh, some feedback about who and what you are and what you provide to a customer. It also goes about training around customer services we've just talked about. Mm-hmm. But then it goes to the other thing as to, okay, what, what, what does a great salesperson do? And in any organization, you always have, and, and this is, I find this true almost 100% of the time, you always have one person that does twice as much volume as all the rest of the players that are selling in a store. For what reason? Uh, I think I have a pretty good handle on it, but it I think could be that, the eighty twenty principle as well too. <laughs> it, it can't. Yeah, it normally is. <laughs> yes. And if you if you can have that person demonstrate and talk to and train the other groups in your stores, they can start getting a hint for what great customer service is and how they provide it. Let, let me give you an example. Uh, we had a guy in Northern California it was known for how much product he sold. And I remember going into the store up there, one of our big accounts in Northern California. I came in in the morning at 7.30 before they opened. And this individual was in the back room with a clipboard looking at the delivery truck. And I said, what are you, his name was Lenny. I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I like to make sure that everything I sold the day before gets on the truck. He's the only guy that did that, mm-hmm. right? Customer service. Make sure that if you're promised a delivery, you get your delivery. Later on that day, after a meeting I had, I came out, he was on the phone and I asked him what he was doing. He said, well, I like to call all my customers after they get their delivery to find out if everything went okay and if they have any questions. He said, it's amazing sometimes. The end, you answer one question about how the remote works, for example, you build a customer for life. And, uh, and this was a guy who, uh, you know, he wasn't, I wouldn't say that he was the smartest guy or the best dressed guy or whatever you might think makes a great salesperson. This was a guy who learned how to talk to a customer, asked them a million questions, got to know who they were. And when they left the store, they said, he knows me, he knows what my needs are, and he fills those needs when I go in. And that's how you build great customer services, letting, helping your people understand what it takes to drive a customer to want to come back over and over again. And in, this, in the case of this guy, he had third-generation customers come in, mm-hmm. and they would only ask for Lenny. So how do we get these business owners to make more Lennies? <laughs> how can they? How can they get Lenny? Like so. So Lenny may might not be the best communicator, or might be competing other people on the sales floor. Or you see that 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 maybe that that competition within uh, a sales force. Do you think that helps or hurts? No, I think that helps, but I think that it's like I said about the people that come to your house and say, what a beautiful home you have. I think you train your people. Mm-hmm. I think you find a way to train your people on, on customer service, what, what I might believe in as a business owner. I want my, my, want my consumers to be uh, greeted at the door. I want them to be walked around the store. I want them to be given the, the, the honest product pitch. I want, them, I want you to ask them questions and find out what, they're really, what they really need and make sure that when they leave the store, they've had a great, friendly uh, efficient experience in, in my store. And if I do that, I'm providing customer service for based on what the needs of the customers are 
uh, in today's world and what they're asking for. All right. So we've talked about customer service on how some of the brick and mortar buildings or even some online stores, how they look, you know, the, the first impression a customer might get when they drive into the parking lot or first visit their website. We've talked about customer service from the salesperson's perspective. But what about uh, people who aren't necessarily directly involved with the sale of the product, like say a, a delivery team? Uh, they too are important to the process. How do they create a loyal customer as well? Well, you know, think about if you own a business, any business, and you hire the right people and you do the right advertising, you do all the marketing, you have all the accountants in your store, you do all that stuff you do, right? To make a business successful. The last person that a customer sees in their home is the delivery team. And they can make or break everything else you do. This is how important the delivery team is. Uh, I've seen absolute nightmares where people refuse to have the, the people in their house or they made some comment or they did something stupid. And that kind of stuff can destroy a business. You got to really make sure you have a competence at delivery team. This is the experience that we had at Whirlpool. And, and we had a company, I won't, I won't use their name, but we had a company, an outside company that delivered product for us. And when I would get product from Whirlpool, when I'd buy stuff from our, from our company, uh, it was shipped to me. I never told people who I was, though. I just call up and let them deliver the product because I wanted to see the experience. A secret shopper. Exactly. And I knew what experience people were having. I remember uh, when they would drive up to the front of the house, the big truck would pull up. They'd call me an hour, half an hour ahead of time, say they were going to be there. These were all things we trained on, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would call up ahead of time. They would get to the front. They'd walk to the front door. They'd knock. They'd introduce themselves. They had their badges on. They had their uniforms on, so they weren't dressed in sloppy clothes or whatever. And they would say, okay, can you show us where the product's going to be? They'd go back out, unbox the product, come back in with red carpets and roll them out from the front door to wherever the product, let's say it was a dishwasher. They'd roll it out to the area where the dishwasher was. They'd bring the product up over the carpet and they would install it. And they would install it and they would make sure that everything worked before they left. They picked up all of their trash, all the plastic pieces that you know sometimes are left behind. Uh, they wiped the floor around where they worked. And it was a very... A very positive experience. That's what you want in a delivery team. Uh, we've we've seen nightmare scenarios where people uh, got in fights with customers, where they left trash, where they damaged floors, they damaged walls. You name it. You can train people in customer service, and you want that to be the best experience because once they leave your house, that's the last thing you remember about your business. So whether or not a business owner listening to this podcast has a product that needs to be delivered to one's home or another business in a B2B situation, really what you're saying is every single touch point that your business or your company has with a customer is, is they're equally valuable. There, there is va- the, from the from the very first time somebody comes into your parking lot or onto your website to the time that product is brought into their home, every touch point needs to be top notch. Absolutely, and you know, you know, I can say that about the same thing about online. Have you ever gone into a website to buy something and you can't figure out how to either get it into the cart or pay for it? Have you ever had that experience? Absolutely. Yeah, and I always shake my head at that. I've had some cases where I couldn't pay the people for the product that I was buying, and I ended up not buying it. And that's frustrating too. So no matter where you are in the cycle, whether it's the beginning of the cycle, the middle or the end, each of those steps from start to finish needs to be impeccable as you try to exceed the, the expectations that customers have about the customer service you're providing. And that's where you get into the, from A to Z, right? You start out at the beginning, the, you drive up to the store and the last person as they walk out your door, that's the end of that customer service experience. It, it involves every part of it. Any final thoughts on customer service, Joe? 
Yeah, just I guess just to sum up, I uh, uh, I talked about having the gun mm-hmm. uh, and having the smile, mm-hmm. and today the smile of customer service is what you really have to think about. Put that in your head and make that you know uh, something that you do obsessively with your staff. Make sure that your staff believes in how you believe what a customer is, because a customer to you is different because they're paying all the bills, they're keeping you in business. A lot of times your people don't think that way. Let your people know how important that customer is to your business. And every single person that walks through that front door, you treat them with respect and dignity. You make them feel good. You give them a great experience. And that's what you want. And that's how you remain successful over the longer term. Let me just tell you, end with one story. Uh, I bought my wife a new car not that long ago. And they came out, picked it up for the service and, and took it to the shop and brought it back. My wife called me up about an hour later and she said, did you wash my car? And I said, no, why? And she said, well, because it's all clean. And I was just wondering if you washed it. And I said, no, but let me call the uh, Ford dealership. And I did. Uh, And I asked them and they said, well, yeah, that's what we do. We pick up your car, we service it, we wash it and bring it back to you. When you think about customer service, exceeding expectations, creating customer loyalty, doing something that's differentiatedly different than everybody else, that to me was a great example of that. And that to me was the example of what, when I think about customer service overall, something simple is that, hey, we washed your car. Under promise and over deliver. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> decades and decades of experience with Whirlpool as national sales director, uh, dealing with mom and pops to the big box stores, uh, helping shape Whirlpool into a Fortune 150 company. Now, uh, spreading that knowledge throughout the country, Joe Higgins, the founder of Quest for Quality. Listen, if you'd like to meet Joe and uh, perhaps bring him on out to your organization or convention coming up, uh, Joe speaks all over the country in a variety of topics. All you got to do is put Joe on a plane. Check his availability at q4qwithjoe.com. That's the letter Q, the number four, the letter Q with Joe.com. Hit the request button and uh, fill out the form and Joe will get right back to you. Thanks again for listening in. We'll catch you next time for another edition of the Quest for Quality with Joe podcast.